Westworld Season 1, Episode 9, The Well-Tempered Clavier is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. It's the Welcome to Westworld podcast here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Josh Wiggler, and joining me on a mission to hell and back, here comes Joe Garfine. Joe, what's going on? I'm just going to go take a nap in the middle of the maze. That seems like a terrible way to start our journey into the belly of hell. Like you're I'm just not gonna sure. Nap? We have business to attend to. I'm just saying I, I have a theory about the middle of the maze, and I actually think it's an exit. Do you think that the middle of the maze is just like a really amazing mattress that you take naps on? Amazing. Amaz- absolutely. Amazing. <laughs> oh, see? We're already down the rabbit hole. We're already down the rabbit hole. We never truly left. Even though we're not always podcasting every second, every minute of every day, you and I are always down the rabbit hole, probably thinking about Westworld or some other nonsense television show with some other nonsense theorizing. Accurate. 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 Joe, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I hope you had a good turkey day. I had a great turkey day. How was yours? I hear you had a fantastic Thanksgiving this weekend, Joe. <laughs> yeah, you know, we had a little turkey. We got married. Yeah, it's been a busy weekend. It's been a busy weekend. Mazel tov to Joe and your <laughs> wife. This is fantastic news. How was the wedding? It was uh, fast and fun by design. I wrote it. It was one page long. Uh, we included pop culture quotes in our vows from, let's see, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Up. Uh, our, our nephews quoted the Mowage speech from Princess Bride. Yes. So it was very on brand. What was your favorite quote of the of the whole thing? Um, probably from Up, which is you and me, or we're an adventure, you're my, or something like, you're always going to be my favorite adventure. The, I can't talk about Up without crying, and I can't be crying on a I know. Right I think now. that's the only actual uplifting line of the entire amazing Pixar film, so I used that. Uplifting. I like what you did there. <laughs> well, congratulations, Joe. That's great. And on top of that, you also had a really eventful episode of Westworld this weekend to enjoy. Oh. So this really must have just been the greatest weekend of all time for Joe Garfine. Hashtag Bern Arnold and save Elsie. Hashtag Bern Arnold and hashtag save Elsie. All right, before proceeding any further, we'll just give you our ob- obligatory spoiler warning. We're going to be talking about spoilers from episode nine of Westworld season one. If you have not seen the episode yet, get out of here now. That is your only spoiler warning. Now we're going to get into it. Joe, isn't it cool that whenever we predict something major, it happens on the show? <laughs> It's a little bit disconcerting. I don't know that we're going to be right about everything, but this is the second time, you know, or third time we've been pretty spot on. And I feel like, though, the rug is still going to be pulled up from beneath us despite the reveal. Sure. I'm going to unpuff my chest a little bit on that. I mean, that was a group effort. A lot of people have been thinking about this for a very long time. Of course, back in Episode 7, we got the reveal that Bernard is a host. The scientist who has been studying all of these hosts is actually a host himself. Uh, as it stood, that was a huge bombshell. That was a major reveal. That was something that you and I had been talking about a lot on the podcast over the weeks joe that that would be a possibility but we also talked about another possibility that the story would not be over there that it wouldn't just be that bernard is a host that there would be a little bit more to that that perhaps one of the other big mysteries of the show would be intrinsically tied to another bernard reveal and it was indeed the case as revealed here in episode nine that Bernard is based on Arnold, and Jeffrey Wright is indeed playing Arnold. So the Bernard is real. It's a thing. <laughs> it's real, but ever even though that was revealed, I still love the twists and turns that I didn't see coming. And I will get down into it, but I'm very curious about your thoughts on, you know, if if it's Dolores with Bernard or Dolores with Arnold uh, down in the you know the sub basement and the scenes that we've seen. Yeah, so we'll talk that through, but it's a huge deal, I think, and certainly one of the one of the bigger fan theories surrounding Westworld. So two of really the major theories have been outright confirmed on the show now. One was that Bernard was secretly a host. Another is that Bernard was secretly Arnold. There is another major theory that is still <laughs> in the offing, probably the most popular one that has been surrounding Westworld, that if you're paying attention to Westworld online, if you are listening to podcasts, certainly if you are listening to this one, then you are familiar with the theory that William is the man in black, that William is a younger version of that character. And while that hasn't been confirmed on the show yet, there's only one episode left this season, so potentially that is on the way. But this episode definitely did confirm, I think, unless you read this differently, that multiple timelines are in play, uh, that that is absolutely a thing that's happening on the show. I concur. I'm sure people will have their own dissection and theories. But to me, and not to jump ahead, but the thing that confirmed it for me was that the man in black is on the board of Delos. Yes. Yeah, so, he- so 
I mean, William and Logan are there working for a company. Uh, they're in the park as, you know, they're paid employees. It just, to me, it seems like that thread is, you know, the needle is meeting the thread here. Yeah, so I think that there's there's a lot to chew on there, and certainly a lot of uh, a lot of takes on what's going on here with not just the whole Bernard Arnold thing, but also the Man in Black and any possible reveals that are going to be coming up from that. But there's really a lot going on. I mean, those might be you know the Bernard thing is certainly the big headline I think coming out of this episode. Uh, but not only is it that Bernard is Arnold, but also Joe Bernard is dead outright. Uh, Bernard, <sighs> Bernard commits suicide at the end of the episode. Episode, or I don't know if you want to call that suicide if it's technically he's been forced to do it by Ford. Uh, but Bernard shoots himself in the head at the end of this episode because he thinks that he has Ford's number. But little did he know that he and Ford have danced to this dance many a time, Joe. And this is uh, it looks like this is going to be the last waltz for Bernard if Ford has his way. Who's to say that down in his little secret spy lair, Dr. Ford didn't already create a new Bernard completely swiped and clean of any of the history of the original Bernard and will be put into play. Bernard 2.0. I'm just saying. You know what I wouldn't be mad at, Joe? What? I wouldn't be mad if there is like a secret hangar somewhere in Westworld, not unlike this little hangar where all of like the decommissioned lobotomized hosts reside, <laughs> except it's just filled with naked Jeffrey Wrights. I mean, you're probably not alone in that fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose they don't have to be naked, but they probably ought to be. Uh, and it's just a warehouse just chock full of naked Jeffrey Wright robots. And <laughs> that's going to be season two, the naked Jeffrey Wright robot season. A question while we're down in cold storage. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, where's where's Dad Bernathy? We didn't see him in this episode. Where is Dad Bernathy indeed is a really good question because Ford does go through, he wades through that ocean of decommissioned hosts in order to get to Bernard to talk through everything with Bernard. And Bernard wants to get all of his memories back and everything. And he's called this meeting here. Curious choice uh, of location for this meeting. I believe this is the room where old Bill resides. I was surprised yes. that old Bill didn't pop up. I was kind of waiting to see if that would happen no but um, the Indi- indian headdress was in the background to let us know that that's one of the uh, uh unmonitored hosts that i believe ford has you know put forth into the park very likely very possible but you're right that like ford does truck through this crowd and you never yep. see dad bernathy at all and we know because charlotte took him last episode yes that's right that charlotte and sizemore they were you know they're they're in cahoots with this new charlotte plan to smuggle westworld's ip out of the park via dad bernathy that's the plan that's the grand plan joe that's the genius idea that charlotte has cooked up you know i take issue with this idea but it looks like it's been implemented it looks like it might be in effect already given charlotte's insertion into the quote game and knowing her relationship with man in black and knowing that she put dad bernathy back into play i'm telling you everything is becoming cemented for me in terms of man in black dolores William, young man in black, you know, Charlotte, corporate. It's just coming together for me. And even though it's kind of a mess, I like it. It's starting to tie together. And one of the things that I'm excited about is the prospect that we actually might get a decent amount of answers in <laughs> the finale. Certainly we talked about that last week in last week's podcast of like, what are we averaging in terms of answers per episode? And I feel like we got some major advancement of the ball last week and certainly this week, major advancement of the ball as well. But if you're concerned that there there isn't going to be a lot of answers coming in the finale. Take it from the showrunners themselves. And, you know, granted, they are inclined to get your hopes up or to do damage control or whatever. But I'm hopeful that they are correct in saying that a lot of the mysteries that have been set up here in season one are going to get wrapped in the season finale. They gave an interview, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, to Entertainment Weekly this week, saying that Nolan says, we weren't interested in spinning out mysteries with no answers in sight. Our goal is to tell an ambitious story in season-long chapters, each with a distinct feel and theme. Um, Mm. So I would... First off, I mean, a distinct feel and theme. Like, is it is it not always going to be Westworld? You know, that's one of the first places that your head goes. Like, are we going to see, like, is season two just straight up going to be Roman world or medieval oh, world? Would be, Westeros. Yeah, Westeros world could be real. Uh, so that's one possible read on it. But I think it's also just an exciting prospect that this story that's being weaved across the season is actually going to come 
to a head uh, that we will no longer have to like talk about what the maze is in such oblique terms that I think that we'll we'll have a much clearer idea of what that is of who the man in black actually is of why it matters that uh, you know this uh, you know this Arnold clone is running around and why is Maeve being driven towards this epiphany and everything like that I am hopeful that you know there's the a real possibility for some closure in this finale uh, that would be great I would really really like that because I think that some people have been a little bit frustrated with you know the questions after questions after questions I know people who are sort of um, you know who who are not thrilled with like the way that Lost would pace that stuff out sometimes seeing a little bit of that happening again here on Westworld I think some definitive answers will hopefully go a long way towards uh, appeasing some of those uh, critiques of the show What's interesting is, you know, you and I are among the larger vocal Lost fans, um, and I find this to be really rewarding in only one season. I find the answers that they have provided, you know, a few are choose your own adventure, uh, open doors, but I'm finding it extremely satisfying on a creative viewing level. Um, and I don't feel like it's a slow burn and I don't feel at all any similarity to loss, which I really, really appreciate. Um, let's dig into, I want to dig more into this Arnold reveal. Uh, we've been talking about it forever that for me, like I've been, I've been waiting for this. I've been, I've been waiting for this to happen. I've been feeling really, really good about the idea that Bernard was going to be based on Arnold. We reasoned out a lot of the reasons why, uh, in last week's podcast talking about, and over the past few weeks, really talking through things like the reverie music cue or the photo where there is room on the side for a human, another human, and why uh, why that would make sense that Bernard would not be able to see that because you're not allowed to see the things that cause you harm. Um, what do you think now that it's out in the open, that this is on the show? What are some of the immediate ramifications for you that this is confirmed, that Bernard is based on Arnold, the co-founder of the park? Well, a few things. One is that obviously no one from the original 30 years ago days is still working there. They would have obviously recognized him as such. That's a good two, point. Yeah. Two, you've already lost uh, Teresa. Teresa, yes. And in a day later, you lose Bernard. This is to, quote, HQ folks. Elsie is missing, or they think she's on leave. Now Stubbs is missing. So shit's going to go down at headquarters. Yeah. Now, whether or not Charlotte is actually... Uh, you know, overseeing or aware of all of this or completely oblivious, which I find very hard to believe. I am fascinated by the fact that, you know, you have Sylvester and Felix helping Maeve down in downstairs. Um, you have most of the main figures, the authoritarian figures disappearing upstairs. What's going to happen in one episode left? Bernard was the architect. And, you know, Bernard Lowe as an anagram for word enabler, and he was in charge of the programming. Now what? Also, it did turn out, uh, I know Sarah Freeman was a big proponent of this idea that Bernard Lowe was an anagram for Arnold Weber. And you look on the man's office door, and indeed, it does say Arnold Weber. Uh, Amazing. So it was there. It was there the whole time, and it turned out to be real. We're not just seeing things. We're not just crazy. <laughs> Emphasis well, on we have just. we have good company. We have hundreds of probably thousands and thousands of people on board. Yeah, so I think uh, definitely big ramifications. You can't imagine that Bernard is actually dead and gone for good. This was from our Philly, the very faithful, fantastic our <laughs> Philly, uh, who had written in and said, "As Ford and Bernard's conversa- conversation comes to an end, I was convinced Ford was just going to roll back Bernie after reinserting his brain and getting back to business. But it seemed clear in the final moments that Ford had done away." With, with Bernardold for good. What's the right read here? Surely we will see more of Jeffrey Wright as Arnold, but is Bernie really off the board going forward? It felt to me like somewhere along the line, Westworld became his story. Um, I don't think that Bernard is gone. I think that we've seen hosts survive so much worse uh, over the course of Westworld. We've seen people, you know, we've seen these hosts die over and over and over again. How difficult would it be for someone to repair Bernard's head injury? Uh, And his body is right there, left behind on the ground. Feels to me like that is far and away from, you know, the last time we will see Bernard in the proceedings. And, of course, Jeffrey Wright also playing Arnold means that there's flashback capability for him to pop up there. But I think in terms of the actual character of Bernard, I do agree with our Philly that somewhere along the line, Westworld was starting to become, you know, Bernard's story, at least in part, where he was one of the real driving actors of uh, of the action. And I don't think that those days are done. Do you think that we're done with Bernard? Absolutely not. And also, you know, Ford just left 
Bernard in, you know, the room dead. Here's the thing. People will find him, do an autopsy and realize he's a freaking host. Yeah. So why would he leave the proof? I think that's very interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. I wonder what kind of I mean, listen, if the if the host physiology is super similar to the human physiology, I wonder how quickly they would figure it out with Bernard. That would really trip everybody out. Like, Holy shit, the boss was a, was a robot the whole time. Right. You could be a well, robot. I could be a robot. I know. I, I, I don't know. Timeline wise, it seems um, a, a, an older timeline when Dolores, you know, gets stabbed by Logan and you see her innards, her robot innards. And so I think seeing Maeve stabbed a few times, you see blood, you don't see guts, but you don't see necessarily inside of her. So modern technology wise, it may take a while to discover that he's a host. Um, but I just feel like you're leaving him there. So someone's going to find him and then they're going to figure out your shit. Yeah, I think that that seems likely. Uh, we get, you know, first off, we get the arnold reveal in this kind of wild sequence at the end of the episode where dolores is back in the town the city buried by sand or something like that uh i think more and more it's looking like this place is escalante which is the same place potentially that the hosts when they were first starting out in the in you know the furthest back timeline where we see them like dancing with each other and practicing dancing and everything and also seems to be the place that teddy shot up in the Wyatt visions and everything like that. It seems like this is all the same place, and I think that that's something that you and I had been thinking about already at this point. Are you on board with that, first of all? I totally am. So we see Dolores. She goes through all of that. She It looks like is shifting through at least two timelines. I think it's probably uh, three different points in time. We can drill down into that in a bit if you'd like. Uh, but Dolores goes down through the confessional booth inside this fabled church, goes down to this underground lab facility. In one version of events, everyone is dead. It's a terrible place. In another version of events, there are scientists that are working all throughout it. We see young Robert Ford again. Again, Dolores follows him into an office. It's Arnold's office. She goes down into the depths of Arnold's office and is face-to-face with Jeffrey Wright as Arnold. This is all happening intercut with Jeffrey Wright as Bernard uh, reconciling his Charlie cornerstone, which still may or may not be a memory that is tied specifically to Arnold. I believe that it is. Uh, And Bernard, once he conquers that, wakes up. He comes online for the first time and has his encounter with Robert Ford. And through that, we learn that he is based on Arnold. So there's two different fronts that we're learning about this Bernard reveal. It was complicated. Was it hard for you? Was it hard for you to follow along, or am I just an idiot? No, we had to pause and go. Okay, she's in the other outfit. Okay, she's in her Alice in Wonderland outfit. Okay, and that sort of helped us figure it out. But it was very quick the transition. Yes. Um, can I just make a side note that I thought it was a stroke of genius to have the confession booth in the church be the mode of transportation down to the literal confession booth down in the hosts area. I just oh. thought it was genius. Oh, I like that. I hadn't even thought about that. I just had to point that out. Okay, go on. <laughs> no, I like that. I think that, I think that's really <laughs> good. Uh, I think that there's you know there's been some confusion with with that. Like the whole timeline issue uh, feels feels a little wonky in terms of is you know what what point in time is Dolores in when she's going down into the Arnold chamber? Um, what's your take on that? And that scene where she sits across from Arnold. And we find out that she has killed Arnold. She comes to that realization when she says, I need your help, all this pain, everything. And Arnold says, I can't help you. You know why. And she says, because you're dead. Uh, At that point in time, where do you think Dolores is? Is that present day Dolores? Is that some sort of William Dolores, you know, William time period Dolores? Is it an older Dolores? I think it's an older William time period Dolores. And she's... The blue dress to me indicates, you know, 30, 35 years ago, and she is aware or during the Arnold timeline. Yes. And I feel like that she is now has a realization or does know that Arnold is, you know, Bernard is now Bernard. He is a host and he is not Arnold. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where, where, you know, what's going on because at the end of it too, Dolores emerges from the confessional booth and is standing, you know, essentially face to face 
with the man in black. So there's a little bit of confusion there. Um, my read on it, and I think that this is a, is a, is a read that I've seen a few other places is that it feels like Dolores is, you know, she's certainly retracing her steps as far as uh, what happened with the William timeline. Like it feels like there are three different things that have happened. There's Dolores did everything that happened with Arnold and this big shoot up. And, you know, she potentially killed Arnold. You know, that's something that she confesses here at the end of this episode. That's one thing. There's also Dolores on this journey with William is another. But when she was there with William, the town was covered in sand. Uh, Now that she is in the town again and walking around and the man in black is walking the town as well, seems to me like the town has finally been uncovered uh, by Ford uh, would be my bet on how that's going. So I think that there's there's three different points in time. Dolores is retracing her William steps in the man in black timeline. And there was also some wonkiness with Arnold going on 40 or so years earlier. Does that sound sensible to you? It sounds Willy Wonka-ness. I like it. Yeah. What do you think about this reveal that Dolores killed Arnold? Uh, we certainly have been, you know, we've been operating under the assumption that Arnold is dead. Uh, this feels like pretty good confirmation that at least physically Arnold is dead, but is probably living on at least through Bernard and through the code that is echoing in, you know, the bicameral mind and everything like that. Uh, but Dolores confesses to having killed Arnold. How do you think that plays out? I think that given the horrible programming that Dr. Ford gave his first and his his beloved first host, Dolores, that he programmed her to think that she killed Arnold. I do not think that she did. Interesting. So you think that this is just a ruse? Yes. And to what end? Um, I am not quite sure. I haven't uh, had the time to analyze that to death, but I think that she's a patsy for Ford. Interesting. Um, I think it's, I mean, this is obviously, if it, if it is real, I mean, I think if we were to take it at face value and Dolores did actually kill Arnold, I think you gotta, you, you would have to wonder why, how did that happen? Uh, it doesn't seem like something that you would have expected Dolores to do. Like it, it felt like Dolores would be team Arnold and everything like that. Uh, but I think if you go back and like you, you consider the first real information we ever got about Arnold in the scene where Ford and Bernard are talking in Ford's office and Lord knows how many times they had had this exact conversation. Uh, Ford talks about how Arnold died in the park and it was ruled an accident, but I know Arnold, he was very, very careful. Um, and I think that that's where that's where you got to start wondering, like, what's happened here? We're, we're seeing all these flashes to this Wyatt thing um, that, you know, we, we've been hearing about Wyatt all season long, that there's this, you know, boogeyman type of bad guy out in the offing uh, who is, you know, who, is, who shot up this town and he's Teddy's arch enemy and everything like that. And Teddy's view of that has been chipped away at over the past few weeks. And in this episode, in episode nine, we see that Teddy sees things differently like the union soldiers start to fade away and it's just townspeople and it's just like the normal you know good hosts of escalante and he's shooting people there and everything like that we've also seen in a previous scene when dolores came to this town when it was you know covered in sand during the william timeline before they got caught by logan like she was imagining horrible things happening there and dolores even uh committing some acts of murder um so there's there's the part in teddy's retelling of the wyatt narrative of the general that they shot like there's the general who's just like sitting in the chair and gets shot in the back of the head and falls forward if we're already accepting that some of teddy's like vision of how this played out was a facade and we started to see that facade away that the start start to see it fall away that like the union soldiers were just a, a coat of paint over what actually happened is it a leap to wonder if if Arnold is killed here, if he is the so-called general in that spot who gets shot, if it's not just Teddy who is acting uh, violently and he's, you know, committing these murders throughout this town, but also Dolores, as we have seen her do in her own vision of the events from last week. And taking that further, could that mean that Dolores 
is Wyatt. Like, is that a possibility that in this telling of this, this fictional story that Ford has concocted that is rooted in truth, could the Wyatt character actually ultimately be based on Dolores? I like that a lot. Um, I had, I'd still had a theory that Teddy was Wyatt and he was having these realizations of these last few episodes, but I kind of dig your theory better. (laughs) I mean, he'd be Wyatt's accomplice at worst. Right, right. Yeah, now that, you know, we factor in the potential Dolores actually killing Arnold, um, it makes sense. So excellent job. So I think that there's a couple of things that could possibly stem from that. One is that it would be an accident, and one is that it would be intentional. Like, that's what it goes back to with Ford. Uh, You know, he's not, like, it's ruled, Arnold's death is ruled an accident, but it's, you know, Ford believes that it was, you know, something much more careful, something much more deliberate. So let's say it's an accident. We know that Arnold is searching for consciousness within the hosts, uh, is, you know, striving for that. It was a great moment in the episode, Joe, where Jeffrey Wright and, and Ford, where Bernard and Ford are there with Maeve, and we learn why Maeve wasn't able to stop glitching. It's because the trauma of losing her child was even more powerful than the cornerstone that they had given her. Uh, and Bernard is saying, like, he's about to say, like, that's something that's, you know, that almost resembles like he can't get the mm-hmm. word out. And he's clearly trying to say consciousness. So that was a, that was such a good scene. Uh, I just thought that that was really awesome. But beyond that, we know that that's something that Arnold was striving for. So let's say he achieved it. Let's say he got it. And certainly there's plenty of reason to believe that that's what's coming to bear on the show right now with the awakening of so many of these hosts. Uh, if that's the case and these hosts became aware and they needed to, you know, they started like lashing out and trying to fight their way out. Not impossible that Arnold would be killed in the act of that, either as just like accidental blowback or potentially as, you know, a misunderstanding of who this guy is and what he truly wants. Uh, So you could see how Arnold, if he is gunned down in the Escalante thing, you could see how that could happen uh, as an accident. But you could also see how it could happen intentionally. Like you could see how it could happen that if Bernard's aim, as you and I, you know, talked through as a possibility, last week if 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 arnold's aim is consciousness for the hosts that this place is clearly not going to be a great place for them where they're going to be abused and he's having some sort of philosophical argument with ford if he has a larger point to prove later on then it could be like the obi-wan kenobi move joe where it's like (laughs) strike me down and i will become more powerful and he becomes ghost in the machine eventually one day gets an actual host body that potentially he can inhabit at some point in the future where we could actually get a Arnold fusion um, that this could be something that was planned that he could have been fueling Dolores and Teddy's um, attack on Escalante that he could be you know you like we said like possibly euthanizing the hosts and himself in the process that that could be something that was intentional and that would certainly uh, that would certainly be interesting and in that scenario I would posit Joe that technically Arnold is Wyatt even if Dolores and Teddy are the shooters that it would be his programming and his idea that's fueling them forward and i think we've got reason to believe that arnold's in that direction anyway given the whole idea about he went away for a while and he came back with quote-unquote strange ideas like i feel like that's fundamental to this mystery counter theory you're probably right uh here's my rabbit hole what if arnold programmed dolores uh to kill him because he lost his son so he, just because of he, the grief, the grief, uh, maybe coupled with the fact that he achieved what he was aiming to do with, you know, it, it, it would be proven if she uh, was able to kill him. And, you know, because hosts aren't supposed to be able to kill people. Um, and I don't know, maybe there's something to the fact that he wanted out. Yeah, well, I think I, I would be I would be on board with the idea that Arnold wanted out in some capacity. Um, but I could also be on board with him, you know, getting straight up murdered. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's not, that's, that's not really a possibility that we, that we talked through too much just now, but this, I mean, we, we've seen Ford kill people. Uh, like we've seen, we saw him kill Teresa. We saw him command Bernard to off himself. It wouldn't be much of a leap to imagine 
Ford killing Arnold and like actually being nefarious about this. The the thing that holds me back from that idea is the the way that Ford describes it to Bernard back in episode three, where he says like it was ruled an accident, but I know I knew Arnold. He was very careful. Strikes me that Arnold his fate was not quite in Ford's hands. Like it, it strikes me in the description of that that. If Arnold didn't quite get the last laugh, then at least, like, the last laugh is still out there to be had. Do you think he created Bern Arnold, the host, after Arnold died? Yeah, I think that that's the, that's the suggestion for sure. I think that, okay. like, so so if we're assuming, you know, Arnold died a while ago, uh you know, Robert Ford, we've seen him as a young man during those days. So he looks that, you know, he looks that certain age, probably like uh, early 40s, late 30s at the earliest. Uh, it's oh, it's really weird to see uh, young Anthony Hopkins just like running <laughs> it's around. It's disconcerting. It's a little strange. It's a little strange. The, the It's too real. The technology, it's too good. Uh, but you see that. And then you also see in the scene where Bernard comes online for the first time that Ford is, you know, closer, not quite all the way to like maximum Hopkins age. Uh, but he is you know certainly an older guy like 50s at at, at best uh, right i guess bernardo has modern tech in him he's got i think he's got modern tech in him but even beyond that um you know there's the there's just the dialogue where ford is saying uh like good to see you old friend it's been too long and things like that so i think the suggestion there is definitely that arnold's been dead for a while uh before bernard has even been built and that like it probably took ford a while to build him. I mean, the thing on the show has been uh, pretty clearly that, like, Arnold was the genius. And, you know, Ford certainly has all of this power, all of this godlike power right now. Um, but is he, like, a scientific genius in the same way that Arnold was? So, like, it could, it, you know, maybe, like, Bernard being, like, his first, like, really sophisticated off-the-grid host, could it could have taken him a while to do. And yet I'm still convinced there's a second Bernard host out there. Can I, can I swing a theory by you, a wild theory? Yeah, do it. There was such a short amount of time between when Elsie called Bernard and when he appeared. I think that that was B2.0. I think it was Bernard 2.0 who took care of or captured Elsie. I think that I don't know who put Bernard 2.0 into motion. I don't think it was Ford. He has Elsie. He has Stubbs now. I feel like... The two worlds, Maeve and her army, and them, they're going to converge. So there would be two Bernards, and are they, like, are they like networked together? Like, is that why Bernard Prime, if you would want to call him that, <laughs> is able to have, like, those memories of choking out Elsie? I think so. I, listen, that- I'm on board with an army of Bernards. That sounds great. <laughs> Burn Marmy. It's getting too crazy. <laughs> Burn Marmy. <laughs> wow, you've been podcasting with me for too long, I think, oh is what just God, happened true there. Story. <laughs> I think Sorry, I digress. I think that's what you just did. <laughs> oh, my God. Burn Army. Um, I think that that's hysterical. Uh, I, I think that I, I, I'm, ca- I'm cautiously optimistic about Elsie. I think that I think we're going to still see Elsie in the finale. And I don't know, like, when else we're going to talk about Stubbs getting jacked. Uh, you know, <laughs> Stubbs just, like, getting, like... But he wasn't killed. Like, we didn't see Elsie get killed. We right. didn't see him. So I think whoever is pulling the strings, I believe that those are unmonitored new host, the uh, the Native American gentleman who took him, did not, you know, kill him. And I feel like wherever he is, Elsie is, and they're working with the 2.0 generations. I could see, like, I, I think that wherever Stubbs is, like, he's going to get brought to Elsie somehow. Yes. Uh, hopefully not, like, Elsie's, like, you know body in the sand or anything like that that'd be <laughs> freaking awful i hope that doesn't happen but i don't think they'd give such a weak ending to a strong character i really don't i don't think so either and i think like when when you think about like how bernard took out um teresa and like how quick and efficient that was and you compare that to like the chokehold that he's putting elsie in, in i'm not professing to be a chokehold expert here <laughs> good you know i'm not saying like i know anything about that but just to me like it looked like there's room there at least because it's a fairly quick cut like you have no real sense of like the length of time that that's going for like is he like getting her in you know like a death lock and then he's gonna do like a hardcore like arnold schwarzenegger bernard schwarzenegger like (laughs) neck break nice nice is that gonna happen uh or is it that like instead of the bernard schwarzenegger he's just choking her out like putting her to sleep (laughs) doing the choke 
called and like bringing yeah. her somewhere. I'm That's feeling what like I'm going yeah, with that. I'm going with that too. I think so. Excellent. I think so. Uh, <laughs> I think I think uh, as our Philly writes in, we haven't seen the body. Uh, when you don't see the body, like you got to think that there's somebody who's still out there. Like there's still the potential here. Uh, ding ding. I think I think Elsie is still out there, but the question would be like, why is Elsie not being killed? Like, what is Elsie being needed for? Um, and I think you know you've hit on the idea that like maybe um, she's you know being roped into like helping against her will, like Ford's narrative is a possibility. Um, I think like that's the thing that I'm not 100 percent sure on is like why would Elsie be left alive if she's a loose end? Um, and I think that her helping at Ford could be could be on the table. Uh, I think I don't want to miscredit this if i'm wrong i think that like sarah freeman once again to quote sarah freeman i think that she had tweeted at you and i last week joe and floated out the possibility i know you're really fascinated on like the possibilities of who is the man in black related to uh but toss that the idea that elsie could be the man in black's daughter um and if that's the case because we know that the man in black has a daughter who you know told the man in black to shove it uh and blamed him for um his wife's suicide for her mother's suicide and we also know that ford is aware that the man in black is in pursuit of the maze we link the maze to ford's new narrative i think that that's not a huge leap ford told the man in black far be it for me to like stop you from your journey of discovery or something like that if ford has and he says even to bernard like i'm running late you know and he looks a little even dressed up a little bit in his scene with bernard before he leaves and makes bernard kill himself that he's on his way to like the final touches of whatever it is that he is angling at if the man in black is involved in that somehow for ford could and and like if if he's you know kept Elsie alive for some reason, could it be potentially because Elsie is the man in black's daughter and like whatever grand display slash gesture slash whatever theatrics Ford is about to put on would involve Elsie being there to either humiliate the man in black or make him feel human or something like that? Feels like that's something that's worth pondering. I like it. Uh, sure. Listen, <laughs> I don't I don't know necessarily that Ford and Man in Black are brothers. Uh, so I'm kind of letting go of that one. So I'll just go with Sarah's for now. I do think, though, there is a definite familial connection between corporate Man in Black and someone else who works there. Yeah. Well, when 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 Charlotte came up to the Man in Black there, like I was half expecting like that scene to end with Charlotte being like, all right, thanks, Dad. Like I thought like that could be <laughs> a possibility. But, yeah. you know, that didn't happen. No, I think, you know, I think we are trained from the lost days drink on to find a connection between people. We want there to be one. We want there to be they would make it something maybe more reasonable um, for some of the actions. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, a few episodes ago, it might even been honestly the first or second episode. Uh, Dolores found a buried modern photograph. Yes. Same photograph that Logan gave William of Logan's sister. Yes, who is also William's fiance. Juliet is the name that was given to her. I know you love your Juliets, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that goes back all the way to the premiere. Uh, that's the right. that's the photo that drives Dad Bernathy crazy. Uh, like that's what really you know loosens everything for him. Um, so that's it's curious to see that here. Uh, it's it's really wild to see that on the show. Uh, and as Simon Nee, who wrote in, pointed out that now we know for sure through that photo that William's plotline is happening sometime before Peter Abernathy finds the photo that causes him to glitch out because it's the photo of William's wife that Logan hands him. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. a, a compelling point in the favor of multiple time frames. Um, that being said, like it also could be that there's just like a shit ton of photos of this one person <laughs> just like littered throughout Westworld at all points in history. I don't think that that's what's going on. What if Abernathy got twitchy because, you know, as Ford said, they created hosts in their own likenesses. So I've always thought it was interesting that Abernathy resembled very much Ed Harris. Yeah, And so, you know, uh, Ed Harris has a daughter that he's estranged from. His wife killed herself. What if Abernathy twitched because the picture is of, uh, you know, maybe the host is retired now, but the mom, um, you know, that, that... if William is the man in black and William became so, you know, he's on the board of Delos and he had some control or say over, uh, you know, the creation of certain hosts. What if they created one in Juliet's likeness? And that's why Dad Bernathy had the issue. Oh, and so he's she, reacting. So she's his wife. Uh, and that's why we haven't seen her yet. Yeah. Interesting. That'd be, that'd be kind of wild. 
Um, I just pulled the one right out of my butt. (laughs) Wow. How did you get that there? Uh, (laughs) I think that that's cool. I think that that's an interesting possibility. I think that the idea of like seeing a host version of that woman, um, if William is the man in black, and that would mean that that woman in the photo, that Logan's sister, that William's fiance, that would then become his wife that then dies at some point, who is in this photo that we see in the modern day. Like, I like the idea of maybe there being a host version of Juliet that's like going to be like sprung upon the man in black when he reaches the center of the maze. This show is a chock full of Shakespeare quotes. What better than Romeo and Juliet and the most tragic love story of all time? Yeah, no, it's it's true. Juliet is a purposeful name. It is indeed uh, a constant in our lives. Oh, damn. Snaps. For sure. Um, There's been some chatter this week, Joe, about the man in black theories, of uh, the William being the man in black theories. And I got this from a few different people. Uh, Just a shout out to names. Chris Nichols wrote in about this. Ted Griffith wrote about this. Our good friend AJ Mass tweeted at both of us earlier today, Joe, about this. But I'll let Caitlin from Cape Cod take it because everyone was, you know, (laughs) everyone came at this from different angles, but with the same idea that it's not William who is going to one day grow up to become the man in black Joe, but that it is his, his, uh, his wicked companion Logan instead. Uh, and this is from Caitlin from Cape Cod who says, so totally thought I was crazy this whole season that I assumed Logan, not William was the man in black, but I can't be the only one who's thinking this now. Number one, there's the quote of, I cut one of you open once. Number two, there's the Maeve cut mirroring Dolores cutting Logan. Number three, having the money to bail out Westworld. Logan is much more likely than William to have direct access to his family funds. Number four, we know that William is an EVP and works with Logan's sister at the family business, which Logan is clearly involved in, but isn't much more likely that rich kid Logan could have gone to medical school than William working his way from zero to hero while learning how to do a blood transfusion. Uh, Number five, being married to Logan would be a lot, plus everything we have heard about Logan's sister doesn't make her sound like she'd be the beta partner in her marriage to William, as the man in black alluded his wife was. Number six, Dolores' face at the end of the episode was recognition and horror, equaling the guy that cut me open for fun, equaling Logan. So a few different people, Joe, were thinking that this past episode actually put the ball in the court of Logan being the man in black and not William. What do you think about that? Are you on board with that at all? I mean, all the points she makes and that I'm sure everyone else, they're completely possible, especially, you know, he already is dark hat. He's black hat from the get go. The one thing that throws me is the physical features of it all is that Ed Harris has these light eyes. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument that Jimmy Simpson looks like somebody who could be cast as a young Ed Harris. Yeah, uh, I think the did that throw us off, though? Did they do that on purpose? Right, like the actor who plays William actually looks like he could be a younger Ed Harris. I don't think that you could really – I don't see Ben Barnes, who plays Logan. Like, I don't see any resemblance to Ed Harris at all. Um, so that that that's one thing that, you know, stands yeah. in the way of me being on board with that. And I think just demeanor-wise, it's consistent to me the way that Jimmy Simpson is brilliantly playing William, you know, sort of the from the beginning of a little bit naive and green to gray hat to turning black hat and his demeanor more calm than Logan, who's more of a joker. And, you know, I just feel like William's behavior is more consistent with the man in black. Again, though, they could be totally pulling the wool out from under us, but the rug. But it's it's a much more dynamic journey, I think, that you would agree with this, that, like, William, who came into this park really, really resisting it and being really, really quiet and being really, really reserved, like, going on this wild adventure that causes him to fall in love with a freaking robot and, like, kill a whole bunch of people in order to protect her, in order to find her and everything. And, like, this is what caused this man to snap. And we've seen him snap very, very drastically in this episode that he, you know, killed all of Logan's men and then intimidates Logan into submission. And now it's William who's the alpha. So, like, if you're, if part of the argument, this was part of Caitlin's argument, was, like, William's too beta to, like, have this, you know, to the, the person who would be married to William to, like, be really afraid of that guy... I'm really freaking afraid of the William that we see at the end of episode nine. (laughs) Yeah. That guy's a scary, scary alpha. What if, you know, he starts off as more of an underling to Logan in corporate, whatever company, we don't know if it's Delos, we don't know who they work for, but what if he earns a promotion, works his way up to the board uh, through all of his findings in Westworld? Yeah, I think that, first off, I think that, like, 
how does William lap Logan in power? Like, how does William outmuscle Logan? First off, there's still one episode of this season. Totally possible that Logan doesn't make it out of Westworld alive. But even, every episode, I'm like, I know. why is he still alive, dude? <laughs> He's know. a douche. I know, but even if he doesn't, Joe, like, even if he doesn't make it out of here alive, uh, or even if he do- even if he doesn't die in the park, let's say he makes it out of the park alive. I think that William's display of dominance here and the the person that William has become, and now what Logan has seen is what William is physically capable of doing. Um, yes. I don't, I don't know how Logan ever thinks that he's the alpha in this pair ever again. No, I agree. It's forever changed. Whatever happens from here. Right. Well, this episode, I mean, you know, at first I, I didn't absolutely love it like I did last week's and, you know, previous weeks, but after talking about it with you, I just, I'm really enjoying the possibilities more and I'm pretty excited for, for next week's finale. I think there's a lot of possibilities on the <laughs> table. I think that that's, that's probably the coolest thing. Um, also not for nothing, you know, the whole, like I cut one of you open once thing that, that the, that the man in black tells Teddy, uh, and saying, you know, Logan certainly does that to Dolores in this episode it's a really terrible thing to watch uh but william has cut several 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 hosts apart to pieces by the time that logan wakes up from his drunken stupor so you can already make the argument that william has cut open a few of these hosts and he like you know stands um you know in like the the pile of 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 bodies you know sephiroth style is just like standing there and being like i finally figured out how to play the game uh and like this is the talk of a madman who probably overnight spent some time just like studying some robot innards uh so i i don't know joe i'm i think with like the way that some of these theories like some like the really really big ones have panned out i think that they've panned out because the information has been on the show it's been there for people to follow if they really really want to pay close attention to it we assume you really want to pay close attention to it if you're listening to podcasts about the show it means you want to understand (laughs) the show on that level and i think that that information is there not all as red harris had uh red harris herrings you know i think that i think (laughs) i think a lot of it i think a lot of it is is real uh and i think you know the last really 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 big one um I think is this man in black is William thing and I'm all in on it and I'm ready. Like if I, if I'm wrong, I will, you know, happily be wrong. Um, I think, I think that it's right. And I think, I don't know. Like, I think like there is so much there. Alan Seppenwall said this in his review that like in its own way, if William and the man in black are not the same guy, that itself is going to be a little bit of a letdown, you know, like given all of like the heat that's been behind that theory, but leave it to the show to see how it all lands. But I think that there, there's definitely still a lot out there that, uh, that certainly points in that direction for me. It does, but I feel like I'm ready for it not to happen next week. I'm ready for it not to be true because I just feel like even more than Bernardo, it's, it became so obvious so quickly that it can't possibly be true. Yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe, or maybe this is just a show that people figured out. You know, yeah, that, that's not impossible. And it, so they, you know, Westworld certainly would not be the first show with a lot of eyeballs on it and a lot of attention on the show to have a moment like that this year. Like, it wouldn't be the first show to have like a really convoluted mystery uh, that's really, really tightly, tightly, you know, bound up like a like a big bad rubber band ball uh, <laughs> that like just like you know a few people were able to figure out how to get to that core a lot faster than the people who built the rubber band ball uh and you know intended for it to be unwrapped and sometimes that happens and i think it's really really hard to tell these heavily serialized mystery box based stories uh on on you know the weekly basis right now um given given the culture given that there's people like you and me who talk through these things every week and there's a hundred different westworld podcasts and all of the reddit comments and all of the articles all of the everything that i think that like something like this is just going to get unraveled and i think that it's really neat and i've really enjoyed being along for the ride and like you know being in on what seems to be happening um but i could also see it from like the writer's perspective that this could be very very frustrating and given oh that gosh. you know given that westworld's not coming back until 2018 i i wouldn't be surprised and i would you know almost recommend like in the in the conception of season two to probably not build it this way people are going to be going into season two like looking for the big mystery no matter what uh, right based on how the show has played out so far um but i think that this you know the way that people have arrived at some of the answers on the show i think 
challenges the writers to to raise the bar a little bit, at least in terms of like if they do want to do a really big mystery based thing to kind of keep that closer to the vest. Um, it's it's a discerning uh, different television viewing audience nowadays. Yeah. You know, they're they are the blissfully nitpicking analyzers, uh, not just people like us who do podcasts, but the people who use message boards and Reddit and websites and discuss it on social media. I can't imagine how challenging that must be for showrunners and writers' rooms because you want to be one step ahead of your viewers, but you're also aware of how smart they are now and how trained they are. And listen, I feel like, again, we're biased, but Lost changed the way that so many people watch television because, you know, it's not just Easter eggs, but everything happens for a reason and every scene. And there's not really much wasted from props to costumes, dialogue, music. So now we overanalyze. And again, we've seen some uh, people who are not thrilled with the overanalyzation, but those aren't people listening to podcasts, so it's fine. <laughs> but I don't, I, I, you and I obviously really enjoy the rabbit hole nature of watching this show. I'm so curious how they are going to follow it up. I definitely do. Uh, definitely do. Don't get me wrong. I really like the theorizing and I really like the, the questions and, you know, trying to find the answers. I love being right. You know, that's, that's the, <laughs> You said that it's great to be wrong, but Joe, uh, it, it really, it really is nice, nice to be right. I can't even imagine how nice it would be to be Jeffrey Wright. Uh, oh, snap! Just being Joshy Wright is is pretty good. But I, but I, I see the, I see the other side of it too. Like I, I can see how this season, you know, and and the way that the story has unfolded, I can see people not, you know, responding well to it. Um, and it, it, you know, even to take an example, you know, one of one of the most faithful listeners of this podcast, Fitzy Brendan, uh, had written in and really did not care for this this week's episode really did not care for episode nine brendan says i feel manipulated and a bit abused i feel like the show has no stakes and it's just valuing style over substance the thing that made a show like lost work was that they put the characters first i don't have any reason to root for any of these characters because i don't know what their goals or end game are and the mystery and the mysteries have been excruciating getting there sorry to turn into negative nancy now but i feel so frustrated by this latest episode please make me feel better and tell me why i'm wrong you can't just have a mystery or drama for mystery or drama's sake there has to be more behind it to keep you invested and i'm struggling to find what that is there's a part of me that uh there's a part of me that maybe feels like this is the entire point of the show but that feels super cheap and not in the ryan aiken sense i love that shout out uh i i get where brendan's coming from i mean i'm personally i know you are too joe like we're invested in these characters like oh yeah you and i really like these characters a lot but i do think I, I do think that the mystery has gotten in the way of character development at times on this show. Um, and that's not fantastic for me. And I, I don't think that it's happened all the time, but uh, I, I didn't love the way that they rolled out the answer with Arnold. Ultimately that like, it took a really, really long time to build up to it. And you kind of feel, you kind of feel like you know where it's going because the Dolores stuff and the Bernard scenes are being so interlocked that I feel like you feel for about five minutes you kind of have a sense of where it's going. Um, so I kind of, I kind of feel where, where Brendan is coming from here. I love these characters. And I think that that's really uh, a large, you know, a lot of the credit for that is the acting is just so freaking good on this show. But I do think that it's a note that, you know, you know, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy and the other writers of the show, I think it's a note that's worth paying attention to at the very least, you know, not a note that necessarily has to fundamentally alter how you write the show. But I think certainly I can speak for Brendan Fitzpatrick, who I love to <laughs> death and who I know, you know, loves shows like this. This is a guy who really wants to be on board with a show like Westworld. So if Westworld is turning him away, that I think that there's, there's something that, that uh, should be listened to there. And I, I don't know what the, what the fix is, if there necessarily needs to be a fix or if the show is doing everything right and, you know, it's just, you know, got to call its audience a little bit and just do its own thing. I don't really know what the right course of action is here, but I think it's something that's worth considering at the very least. Maybe it's because I've managed my expectations. I had high expectations before it started and then it was very satisfying. And to me, ever since then, I have not been frustrated. Uh, I find it very interesting that what I loved about Lost more was the characters and what I love more about this show is the mystery. I never really cared about what was in the hatch or why the plane crashed on Lost. I was more interested to see, you know, will Juliet see her sister again and meet her nephew? Now, on this show, I want to know more about the maze and we'll transition into talking about the Maeve at all. 
Um, but I'm actually more invested in the story than the characters. And I find that to be fascinating. And maybe that's why I'm not frustrated. Different strokes, man. Exactly. Different strokes. So, you know, it's a it's a thing. Who knows? Uh, I can't tell you that you're wrong, Fitzy Brendan, because you got to feel the way that you feel. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm in I'm in the tank for this finale, and I'm excited for season two still and everything. But I can I can see where he's coming from, and I certainly see where you're coming from. And I'm somewhere in the middle, skewing much closer toward being happy with the show. Uh, <laughs> pretty pretty damn happy with the show overall. What let's yeah. talk, Maeve. Right? We should talk. Oh Maeve. my gosh. Okay. Um, Again, uh, our weekly. Uh, we must give a shout out weekly to Tani Newton and her freaking phenomenal performance. Really, really good stuff. I do have a grievance. Please. This idea of, of Maeve's to go uh, to hell and rob the gods and use Hector and presumably, you know, some of Hector's people to do it. That sounds, mm-hmm. that sounds fun. That sounds great. I'm, <laughs> I'm way on board with that. Question for you. How are you planning on being operational after you have burned yourself to death in a fire having sex with Rodrigo Santoro? Like, I, how is this the suicide plan, Joe? Like, even if, like, you know, like, ah, eh, well, we're going to do the breakout thing in a few days. We have some time to, like, repair our bodies from, you know, getting completely engulfed in flames and everything like that. I, I have a complete, I have a completely different take than you. I have, I, <laughs> I was, I was, I was so, I'm, I'm so furious about this. I'm so, I'm so furious about the idea that, that Maeve would just, like, burn themselves to death to get themselves back to the lab faster. Your bodies are going to be charred. You're going to be unrecognizable. This is not, this is not just shoot yourself. This is if you want to get picked up fast. Ah, I got really, I got really upset. So what's your take? Calm me down. I, first of all, I have a, a kind of feeling that since we haven't seen a lot of charred uh, people in, in uh, cold storage, that the bodies were created in some kind of um, a non-flammable. Oh uh, my skin. God, they can't be put on fire. Yes, first of all. Oh, Second no. of all, I think that what we're not seeing is her telling Paolo, and I'm sorry, Hector will always be Paolo, <laughs> that um, Maeve is telling Paolo what we're not, we don't need to see it to know that they're talking and that the plan involving him involves them in the real world, not in the park, that they just have to get back to the lab so she, he can become more aware. And she, at a level 20, what we're not seeing, I assume also, is that she is working with Felix and Sylvester on Hector. That's fine, Joe. I'm in on that. I'm down. I'm down with all of that. I love but, all of that. However, why are you burning yourself to death? Why is that your gateway back to the lab? That seems like a terrible way to kill yourself, especially if like you know you're going to feel it and like remember what that feels like. You want to remember what it was like to burn yourself to death? And also, I guess uh, <laughs> Uh, I didn't actually consider the method, but it clearly uh, bothers you. And well, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on that. So it, it, this, is, this is the kind of thing that really does grind my gears. And it's a Nolanism, Joe. Okay. Uh, this is the, the, the best example of this, uh, and probably still even in light of this thing that happened on Westworld, is in The Dark Knight. Uh, and I'm going to spoil this thing from The Dark Knight for the two of you who have not seen <laughs> The Dark Knight. So if that's you, go away. Uh, but when Aaron Eckhart, when, when Harvey Dent, you know, half his face gets blown off and he starts to go full two-face when the Joker is like, chaos is fair. And, you know, he goes <laughs> off on his, his whole crusade to find the people that were responsible for everything that happened to Rachel and giving him half a face. Uh, and he flips the coin and it's very true to character and all of that good stuff. But he gets in a, a car with Eric Roberts. Uh, and he's got a gun on Eric Roberts and Eric Roberts has a driver who's driving the car and Eric Roberts gives Harvey Dent the information. It was Ramirez is what he says. And then Harvey Dent is satisfied with the information, does the coin flip, judges that Eric Roberts uh, will survive. He will not be shot. Then he flips the coin again and it's heads this time. And Eric Roberts is like, whoa, but I was safe. And Two-Face goes, yeah, but your driver's not. And then he shoots the driver and the car flips over and over and over and over (laughs) and over and over over again. And then like a scene later, Two-Face is just like hanging out with Ramirez doing the same coin flip trick. How did he survive the car crash? 
how did he get out of the car? He shot the driver. And how did he get out of there? And he is totally, totally, totally fine. And I feel like, I don't know, like there's just like there's the, the Nolans like profess to be hyper realistic, super, super realistic. Like everything has an explanation. Everything has a backstory. Every gadget has a backstory. And then there's like little shit like that. that really you are hilarious. We suspend really our disbelief fun. differently. Dude, the van over the, the van over the bridge and Inception. I could go on. You know what I mean? But that's in a dream. I I know that, but still, logistically, it bothered me about their condition. Um, so I think uh, that I think you're gonna have to let it go, and then we'll have know. to revisit it in between seasons. It's really this is like a it's a per, it's, it's a personal problem. It chaps your high. <laughs> it's a personal it's a personal issue. Uh, but that scene in the Dark Knight has always bothered me so much, and this whole Maeve and Hector setting themselves on fire thing infuriated me. I thought it was it was ridiculous. I uh, will give it to girlfriend. She goes out with a bang, quite literally, quite literally, yeah, stabbing, shooting fire. Let's get it all with Hector while we're dying. Listen, I mean, there are worst ways to go. Worse ways to go for sure than uh, I mean I still the burning alive is probably not so great but like probably the, not great yeah leading up to that is okay yes yeah, so back to the mave of it all though however yes um, you know last week in the flashback where we see the man in black you know killing her and her daughter she literally winds up in the middle of a freaking maze on the farm that's right. And that made me start thinking, you know, there is a body figure, like an outline in the middle of the Westworld maze. Right. And then I started thinking, like, literally, maybe it's just right in front of us the whole time that there is an exit point for hosts and no one's found it yet. And that's what the man in black is hoping to find. And not necessarily because he wants the host to get get out because he just wants to find the freaking end of the game. And does does the park implode? Does Ford die? Do the hosts actually take over when that happened? I don't know. But maybe it's right in front of us and it's literally an exit. It's and you know, that would be interesting, like for all the hosts who couldn't see it because like they're programmed not to see the things that hurt them, uh, or they're like programmed to like not see specific things. Like if there's literally just like a door to go through. And we've seen like you know, we've seen doors, we've seen elevator banks, like, just in, like, the wild here in Westworld. Like, if there is, like, a door that, like, there is an elevator bank that leads directly to, I don't know, New York City or Tokyo or somewhere outside of the park, um, that could be there and they wouldn't be able to see it. Um, so I could I could see something like that playing out. I mean, I think that, you know, the idea of the maze is, you know, setting yourself free. I've been thinking of it a little bit more metaphorically, but there's certainly like the very literal interpretation of like someone's going to get out of here. Uh, and I certainly hope that we get something like that. If not in the season one finale, then at least at some point in the future, you and I have been talking way too much about what it would look <laughs> like to have Maeve in the real world for something like that not to happen. Right. Hopefully whoever gets out has the bomb spine, spine bomb removed. Yes, yes. Uh, and also has Dad Bernathy's severed head with all of his information inside. Um, back to Maeve. This is, uh, this is something I want to I wanna throw your way. Once again, turning to the great R. Philly, uh, has a theory about, about Maeve. Um, I saw a theory. This is from R. Philly. I saw a theory that Ford is, in fact, responsible for the initial adjustments which led Maeve to her current path. The idea is that he's allowing her to pursue her current agenda because he sees her as a tool to somehow stop the board from pushing him out. It struck me as very outside the box and something that would be in line with the omnipotent overlord knows all thing that Ford has embodied this season. Where do you guys stand on this idea? Tinfoil nonsense or 11th hour reveal? Uh, What do you think about this idea, Joe, that everything that Maeve is doing where she thinks that she's got the upper hand, she thinks that she's got all the skills and she is the person who, who is capable of rewriting all of these narratives and engineering her own escape story. What if little does she know she is actually already a big instrumental part of Ford's narrative of Ford's plans? I think, Absolutely. It, you know, it's certainly Ford, like everything that we've seen, like every time he's been backed into a corner, he's just able to get out. Like he just has complete control over everything. So it wouldn't be out of line with what we've seen from him before. Well, the fact that he's basically ignored her and the actions have been ignored of Felix and Sylvester, the fact that in his infamous luncheon with uh, Teresa R.I.P., where he said, of course, I know everything that goes on with everyone in the park, hosts, guests and employees. I mean, he is aware. I I mean, I I am completely on board with Ford knowing exactly what she's doing. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Is it part of the narrative? Is it part of the exit? Is it part of the maze? You know, the maves, the maves, the maves, hashtag. Hashtag the Maves. Anything else from this episode, Joe, that you want to dig into before we sign out here? 
I'm sure when I go to sleep, I'll wake up and go, oh, we forgot to talk about that. <laughs> There's so I many, mean, so many things. So many things, but uh, we will actually be back sooner than later. Why don't you tell everyone why? Yeah, we will be back sooner than later, and I will tell everybody why, because Joe and I, not here on Post Show Recaps, but we are going to be teaming up with a couple of other awesome podcasters. Uh, If you're a Lost fan, certainly you know these names. Uh, We are going to be on the Jay and Jack podcast with Mike Bloom, Post Show Recaps' own Mike Bloom, who who joins Jay and Jack every week podcasting about Westworld, our two Westworld podcast powers are going to combine we're going to be doing a little bit of a finale preview maybe taking some feedback over on the jay and jack show so that's going to be dropping at some point this week joe and i are going to be recording this uh current plan is on tuesday night no idea what jay and jack's release schedule looks like but definitely check out their podcast go search out jay and jack also if you want to leave feedback for us on that podcast there's a call-in number where you can leave voicemail it's 385-309-03 one one. I'm really looking forward to that. Jay and Jack are awesome, and Mike Bloom's just okay. Oh yeah, oh, Jay and Jack are way back. Back, you know, we were on the red carpet together. I thought in that you Hawaii. were going to say Jay and Jack are way better than Mike Bloom. Well, no, I, Mike Bloom's awesome. I don't know him as well, but he, you know, he seems like an outstanding gentleman. He's, okay. um, He's a good guy. I look forward to representing the female voice of Westworld fans uh, tomorrow night on the podcast. But it'll be a crossover as big as the CW's four superhero show crossovers, I believe. Oh my God, Shoddy Cisco. <laughs> It just feels like the the best match that I, can I think, think I'm going to be Supergirl, match. and you guys will be the Arrow, the Flash, all of the others. Okay, okay great. All right, we can we can figure that out. So really looking okay. forward to doing the Jay and Jack show. Of course, Joe and I will be back next week with our season finale recap and our final podcast of the season. It's just one week away. That's nuts. That is crazy, but it's been a really, really fun ride. It's been a really, really fun ride. Uh, really looking forward to digging into that once we get through the finale. 90-minute episode. Of course, Westworld's already been renewed for a second season. Doesn't seem like that's going to come sooner than 2018. <laughs> so it'll be our last Westworld podcast for a good little stretch. Uh, hopefully some off-season stuff we'll be able to do here and there as well as it comes up. Uh, but we would love your feedback for next week's episode. We would love that. PostShowRecaps.com slash feedback is our feedback form and you can also email us westworld at postshowrecaps.com is our email address and you can subscribe to the podcast as well postshowrecaps.com slash westworld leave your honest and ratings and reviews they are greatly greatly appreciated joe hashtag do you want to go with bernardold schwarzenegger or is that too long Oh, I think that's necessary. All right. <laughs> it's necessary. All right. Hashtag Bernardo Schwarzenegger. Send that to Joe and I. She's at Joe Opinionated Like Opinionated with a J. I'm at Round Howard. And we'll be back very soon talking about more Westworld on the Jay and Jack Show and also with our finale coverage next week. We'll be back soon. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. I'll see you in the maze. Bye, the maves. Bye.